You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, the hopes and dreams and goals for today were largely to talk about the massive amount of roster cuts that we've seen. I mean, we've got to cut down 27 people, so I figured at the very least 13 guys are going to be gone today, right? Um, I kind of expected what, what, what you like to have is to have some questions answered, but I kind of expected some of the guys that nobody really expected to make the team would be almost instant. I mean, I thought it would be just right out of the gate because you get that sometimes some guys where it's just like, look, this isn't a tough decision for us. We can cut this, this guy, this guy, this guy gone and nobody's going to say anything. There's nothing to consider. There's nothing to wonder about. It was never going to happen. But uh, nothing. It's 6.30 Central Time, and as of right now, and I will be hitting refresh repeatedly to see if any cuts get made, um, but so far, abso-freaking-lutely, nothing. I see on Twitter here, Aaron Nagler says, uh, surprised the Packers didn't make their cuts today. LaFleur said they'd be practicing with 53 tomorrow. Could still be a busy evening, but most likely going to be a busy morning. So, even more surprising is tomorrow morning, prior to when the official um, cutdown has to be done, they're expecting to already be done. In other words, done early. Everybody prior to practice that is not on the team will be notified they are not on the team. I don't know exactly what time practice is, but it's, uh, it's early. Earlier than when they are required to let everybody go. And yet, they haven't started <laughs> Now, it's possible they have told some people and just haven't made it public, but that baby's screaming. Generally, what would happen is they release somebody, that person goes on Instagram, says something to the effect of, you know, it's been a great ride, God's plan, you know, whatever. Uh, A bunch of the reporters that are super, you know, they want to be breaky newsy. They're watching their Instagrams and their Twitters and everything else. They got them on, uh, you know, notification set and everything else. And then they tweet, it looks like he's gone. Then some of the reporters start making calls with their contacts, and then they confirm that he's gone, et cetera, et cetera. But also the fact that these guys have contacts that can say, yes, they're gone, I'm guessing they could also call up and be like, have you let anybody go yet, or what's going on? Or... But um, anyways, needless to say, that's probably not what we're going to be talking about today. For those wondering if I do have an official 53, I don't. Um, what we talked about the other day I'm content with it. I mean, I can hem and haw and scream and cry and all that about the final guy. I just, I don't super care all that much. Again, I, I found a way, it might just be the, the structure of it. Whereas before, I made a lot of tough decisions. Again, I had 
probably three spots left open, and I was like, I'm content with this team. I don't really we could we could roll with fifty if you want. And so um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's going to be a couple question marks. Might as well talk about it. Um, and I did have a request. Somebody had mentioned, hey, uh, would you mind mentioning what position these guys play? Because not everybody's up on that stuff. So I will try to do a better job of that. But um, questions about wide receiver. It sounds like they're going to lock in at six, which would kind of, well, if it's six, who's the sixth, I guess is sort of the question. And it's not maybe as cut and dry as, as everybody thinks. Um, I think most of us, myself included, are convinced that it'll be Malik Taylor, meaning Devontae, MVS, Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, and Malik Taylor is how I expect that to shake out. Um, otherwise, EQ, Reggie Begleton, and Jawan Winfrey would be the other possibilities. I don't think Hazleton has much of a shot. Um, how many offensive linemen, I think, is a better question than who at offensive line. Um, I've seen a lot of people put 10 in for total offensive linemen. That's the maximum that the Packers have ever done as far back as I've gone. So um, I don't know that I'm as convinced because generally, usually they don't keep 10. And based on the talent of the guys that they have, I don't know that they need to, but they could. That was the one area where I differed with quite a few people. We'll see what the total is. But um, Yash has had a great camp, so you expect him to be a backup tackle. Considering the rise of all these other guys, I could certainly see Lucas Patrick being somewhat of a cap casualty, um, save nearly $2 million by letting him walk. And he also may have some trade value. But again, it's not even so much a question of who, because you can kind of sort them. Um, And at that point, it's just a matter of, of how many. Tight end, it's all about Jace. Partially about how many, but is Jace going to be the guy? If they're going to stick with Jace and see what he can do, then you got Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, uh, Josiah DeGuara, and Jay Sternberger, and you're probably not going to keep anybody else. I don't think they're going to keep five tight ends. Maybe. Um, I know everybody's 100% convinced that Jace is out the door. I, I Again, I could see it, and it wouldn't really surprise me. But at the same time, it really wouldn't surprise me if they roll with Jace and just make everybody really mad. I just don't know that they're 100% ready to completely give up on the guy after two years. Again, it was if, if they had done the same thing to Tunyon, he never would have broke out because he was straight trash for two years before year three. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I could see it going either way, but if you, if you feel like you've got your mind made up and you know what's going to happen, I'm just saying brace yourself for some disappointment. Uh, running back, it's not a question of who, it's a question of how many. I'm... I'm 95% convinced it's Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Kylan Hill. The only question is, are they keeping a fourth? It seems unlikely and unnecessary, but at the same time, again, based on how I structured my 53, I was content to put a fourth guy in there because I just didn't really need anybody else. Um, defensive tackle, likewise, is how many? Uh, well, I, I suppose there's possibly some cap casualties. I wouldn't say it's super likely. I don't think Dean can be moved uh, because of the structure of his contract. I could be wrong. And um, I don't see why they would move Tyler Lancaster. I think they like the guy. He's a young guy, and it's only a million bucks. So probably not that. So Lowry, Clark, Kiki, Lancaster, Slayton, um, that's at least five. I'm assuming they're going to keep six, and I, I feel fairly confident that Jack Heflin's going to be the guy. They're giving him all the snaps, and he's stepping up and doing his job in all those situations. Um, if they keep five, it's, I think you drop off Heflin. If they keep six, you add Heflin. If, you, if they have seven, I'm going with Pavilion, right? So again, you can 
kind of sort them. And then it's just a question of how many. Um, outside linebackers, Adarius Preston and Rashawn are 100% locks. I do think Garvin is next man up. And keep in mind, I, I don't care about, I, you know, somebody messaged me about Sternberger and his suspension. Irrelevant. I don't care. Ultimately, the question is, are they keeping him? Will they keep him for two weeks? Because why not? Sure. Because maybe they decide to keep him, and during his suspension, they put Daphne out there, and Daphne blows out his knee, and then it's like, well, I guess we'll roll with Jace again. There's no reason not to. The question for me, though, is, is the plan to keep Jace or somebody else? But anyways, that outside linebacker, again, my assumption is Garvin's got the fourth spot. After that, I really do think Chauncey Rivers has a shot, but it kind of, again, comes down to how many are they going to keep. And then if they keep, well, not 100% who the fourth guy is. I think it's Garvin. If they keep five, who's next up on the list? Man, it is just pandemonium upstairs. And uh, if we look at snap counts by the outside linebackers, by the way, Jonathan Garvin led all pass rushers with 38. After that, Delonte Scott had 36, Chauncey Rivers 35, so not a huge difference. Um, And those two were kind of similar in terms of snap counts. They both had 41 in week one. Uh, Delonte had four more snaps in week two, and then week three was just one more. Um, It is worth noting they graded out very similarly in terms of just their grades. Delonte Scott did have a little bit higher of a grade. Um, However, that primarily came by way of coverage, which nobody cares about. Uh, Chauncey Rivers did have a higher run defense grade, and then they were both almost identical in pass rush. 58.6 compared to 57.8. Chauncey Rivers, four pressures, a sack, a hit, and two hurries. Um, Delonte Scott, three pressures, one sack, and two hurries. So very similar, um, and I'm not entirely sure. They're both 2020 undrafted free agents. Um, Chauncey we picked up from Baltimore. He is, what, 6'3", 275 compared to Delonte, 6'5", 260. They're very very similar. I mean, they're they're bigger sized guys, similar stats, similar age, similar everything. So probably a tougher call than I would, would have expected um, between those two guys, if there is even a, another spot beyond the fourth guy. Inside, again, there are some injury issues and whatnot, but um, Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell seemingly are starters, um, followed by Burks and Ty Summers. This one is a little bit interesting, though, when you just look at the simple fact that Burke seems to be a lock number two, but he's also not even a lock to make the team, in my opinion. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I, I think they're going to hang on to him because they, they like some of what he can do, but um, I don't know. So linebacker will be quite interesting. It'll probably end up being, you know, pretty boring, though, with just the one, two, three, four. And then if anybody else makes it, I don't know. But I think McDuffie's got a shot. So we'll see. I, I, the The crazy thing about it is, and I don't know if the Packers see it this way either. Obviously, they really, really like Chris Barnes, but I don't see a massive difference between Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, and Isaiah McDuffie, or Dejon Harris and Ray Wilborn, for that matter. They're a bunch of decent enough guys, but, you know, they're kind of the guys that you have and you're okay with, but you kind of want to replace as soon as possible, is how I view them. And I'm hoping somebody can emerge. You know, again, we've seen the linebackers really take a step and be some of the better performing pieces on our defense through the preseason. And if that can continue, that's going to be fantastic. So um, 
I will withhold my official judgment until we get a little bit more of a sample size with our new defensive coordinator. But that's just sort of my general thought on the general linebacker talent level. Um, Corner, again, pretty straightforward. Kevin King is not going to get cut. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, obviously. Um, Beyond that, though, I do think it gets really... Well, excuse me, we've got the slot guys, Chan and Sullivan. But after that, it gets a little bit iffy. Um, I don't care for Isaac Yadam, like at all. I didn't when we picked him up. It was an interesting experiment, and I don't think it went anywhere. But do they like the fact that he's been around a little bit? He's got a tiny bit of, you know, he doesn't really have that much more experience than Ento, I guess. But he brings a little bit of that, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he was drafted, which is more than Ento can say. But I don't know that he's better than Ento. So do you roll with... um, Jair, King, Stokes, Sullivan, that would be, what, four. And then both of them? I guess you could do both and it would be six. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But the question, I guess, for me is if you do five, do you go Ento or Yadam? Or, I guess, Shamar. But I don't I don't think, well, I don't know. What do I know? I, don't, I wouldn't expect him to be one of the guys. It's possible they look at a guy like Isaac and just say this isn't working and just cut him outright and then say we want to go six, so we go Ento and Shamar. But I don't know. And then safety, you obviously have your top two in Savage and Amos. Um, Vernon Scott and Henry Black, I think, are fairly... Henry Black, for sure. Innis Gaines has got to be in the conversation. So I don't... Yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's a matter of how many, but also where do they rank, because special teams plays a big part in this. So I don't know. There, there's a little bit interesting here. But for example, what I would have expected is, you know, Rajasterman Ferris got caught. Abdullah Anderson was let go. Damon Hazelton and Koi Kronk were released. You know, stuff like that. Maybe Cole Van Lannen, although you got some special team stuff, but you cut them first and then you hear that they get signed to the practice squad. So I guess just some of those names I, I sort of expected to hear. Jacob Capra, Carlo Kemp, Stefan Denmark, but nothing. So anyways, let's take a gander at some of the news going on around the universe here. Just a couple things coming across the wire here. The Jaguars apparently trading Sidney Jones to Seattle. Not super interesting, but it just popped up, so I'm going to mention it. Also somewhat interesting, apparently uh, Malcolm Butler, who is now with the Arizona Cardinals, is dealing with some personal issues and is actually considering retirement. So um, trying to help me with my... uh, claim that the Cardinals are not going to be good this year. Malcolm is trying to do me a solid, I guess. In more interesting news, Tim Boyle apparently has broken his thumb. Apparently he will have to undergo surgery for that. We don't currently have a timetable, but it's pretty unlikely that he's going to be doing any backing upping, at least anytime soon. The Chicago Bears are looking to trade Foles, which really isn't all that shocking of news, to be completely honest. Um, There's really no reason to have a first-round draft pick, future of the franchise quarterback, and a semi-expensive quarterback as a backup, and another semi-expensive quarterback as a backup. That's just not a thing that you generally do. In fact, I don't know how much longer Dalton will stick around, depending on how good um, uh, Fields does. But I think ideally, once Fields kind of gets his footing, you're going to want to move away from Andy Dalton and just do essentially what the Packers and most other teams do which is bringing young six-round quarterbacks to kind of play and learn and develop and generally be kind of terrible. 
It also sounds like the Bears are trying to be cool with Foles and send him to a place that he wants to go where he might actually have a shot at playing, possibly a place like Indy or whatever. I don't really know. But as a result, they're probably not going to get maximum value, which is low as it is. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Harrison Smith has signed a contract with the Minnesota Vikings, which is just, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's, this is, I, I say the same thing over and over again, but as much as it's frustrating, it just proves I'm 100% right about stuff. Not everything, but it's like here, this is just, this is the identity and the DNA of the Minnesota Vikings right now. I've talked about how the Packers are a team that's known for like retaining their own. The Vikings have stolen that mantle and have gone to crazy town with that. And part of what makes it so glaring, you know, the, if you want lights to look bright, turn off all the other lights, right? Darkness is what makes things look really bright. And darkness is what the Vikings have outside of this one thing that they do called retaining players who are getting very, very old because we've got nothing else. It's just crazy to me how borderline obsessed they are. And I'm not saying the guy needed to go away, but he's 32 years old. They signed him to a four-year contract. Is Harrison Smith, I don't know if he has anything left. He didn't even have a good year last year. For all we know, he's officially washed up and he just got a four-year extension. Not only that, it's a four-year, $64 million deal, which is $16 million per year. Now, this could just be structured in such a way that they get him essentially for two more years and they can revisit it, but I don't know. And it's not even so much that Harrison doesn't deserve it and he's not, I mean, they've got nowhere else to put the money. The problem is it's just, it just, every time they do it, I look at the Vikings and I'm like, you guys are not doing great. And, and again, the signing of Barr after he left, and then he like woke up one day sick. Where did he go? Buffalo or something? And he woke up and he was so sad and he was so upset and he just wanted to go back. And they're like, let's pay him. And they paid him a ton of money. And the guy's not even that good of a football player. But it's like, this, these are our guys and this is our core. And these are the guys that I win with. The problem is, again, and I've been saying this about the Bears and a bunch of other teams, and this happens, listen, this happens to every team. They rot. They rot from the inside out. And it's up to you to, as, as quickly as it falls apart, to replace it. And so your job essentially as a GM, let, let's just picture like a, a house, but it's the most simplistic, nonsensical house in the world where it's just a bunch of, let's say, you know, wood boards, I don't know, not two by fours, but let's call them two by fours because it doesn't matter. And they're just standing up on end and it's just those things standing up, creating a square and that's your house. Forget the roof because it's just going to convolute the, the, uh, the thing, but you got these boards all around in a square, and that's your house. And over time, they rot. And your job as a GM is to accumulate wood. And as one rots, you have to uproot it, put in the new wood, and you've got new wood, and it's going to last you for a long time. The Vikings have taken a different tack. They've decided to let the wood rot and focus all their attention on the, the, the good wood and trying to you know reinforce it or whatever. I don't know. The analogy kind of falls apart, but you get the point. And eventually... You doctor it up and you stain it and you do all these things to make sure that the really good pieces of wood, the, the, the foundational pieces that you've got here, that those stay strong. But at the end of the day, at some point, there's only so much you can do with bracing it and staining it and everything else. It's going to crumble and it has to come out. And you've spent all this time trying to fix that piece of wood that all the other ones have now rotted. Because while you should have been focusing on those and uprooting the rotting pieces and getting them out of there and putting in new pieces, you've been focused on these couple really good pieces that you got, which is fine. But you've done a terrible job of replacing the other guys. And my, my favorite example of this is linebacker. 
And again, Kendricks, he's been fantastic the last two years, one of the best linebackers in football. Right after I got done saying he's overrated, he decides he's going to be really, really good at football, whatever. Barr, not so much. Just not very good. But these are the guys. These are the two linebackers. They drafted linebackers, several of them. And they had a guy that was sort of their number three. Maybe he's not the best in the world, but he's, he's decent enough and he's young and he's cheap. This is the piece of wood that you use to replace a guy like Barr. And it came to a point when the linebackers, Barr and Kendricks, I don't remember exactly how this panned out, but you can't keep them all three. And I believe that that new, young, strong, sturdy piece of wood, linebacker piece of wood, was up for a contract. And it was a decent chunk of money because, again, he's not that bad. And so they had to make a decision. Do we use that piece of wood and replace this older, expensive, rotting piece of wood? Or do we just get rid of this piece of wood? They got rid of it. They got rid of the young talent to keep the old, expensive guys that are expiring. Now, now, I fully acknowledge that you're taking a step back. That's part of the process. Some of the time, you swing and you miss, and you know you find a guy that, for example, Josh Myers and Corey Lindsley. I have no expectation that Josh Myers at any point in his career is ever going to be as good as Corey Lindsley was. He may, he may not, but that isn't my expectation, that at some point he's going to be the best center in all of football. That's That's a silly expectation, but we did it anyways, because that's how you build and run and structure a football team. It's part of the process. You have to do it. 32 years old. And by the way, they've had a bunch of other uh, safeties come through. They're all gone now. Anthony Harris was a fantastic safety for the Minnesota Vikings. He's currently 29 years old. They decided to let him go to Philadelphia so that they could hang on to their their stud, Harrison Smith, who may just be completely washed up. But that that's their decision. They don't want to go with the younger guy who's also talented. They want to go with the old guy who is like super, super, super elite. At least he used to be. We'll see if he can be and for how much longer. But what do you do when he's gone? Nothing. Thielen was a similar thing. They, they went out and paid Thielen just because they felt bad about how little he was getting paid because he was playing so well, which is a noble thing to do. But that's just, that's a lot of money that you can't use elsewhere. And he's currently 31 years old, but again, doesn't matter. It's Adam Thielen, he's our guy. And Stefan Diggs, who is young and super talented, well, for some reason they didn't make him happy and now he's gone. So again, young talent that's going to kind of continue this legacy not working out too well. Now, they did finally draft somebody that is going to take over the mantle, but replacing those two guys is one guy by the name of Justin Jefferson. And, you know, they, they did draft Dalvin Cook, but I don't know how much tread he has left on his tires. He was kind of losing a little bit of tread the day he showed up on the football field. He's been injured numerous times. And he's currently 26, which is sort of the peak. I mean, this is, this is where running backs typically peak, and it's all downhill from here. And you start talking about a guy who has a pretty heavy load in terms of how much he carries the ball, that is going to increase the tread. You look at the former or the the amount of injuries he's already had, that adds to the tread, the loss of tread. So the odds of him being 27, 28, 29, and still just being this freak of a running back, it's not impossible, but it becomes increasingly unlikely. What do they have after that? Madison? What about quarterback? Who's your next quarterback? Don't know. Kirk Cousins is going to leave. We don't have an answer. Packers are stupid because they drafted a replacement, but the Vikings, what, they're not stupid because they didn't? What, Kellen Mond is going to take over? Are you kidding me? Still trying to get the offensive line going, have had no luck there. They had a dominant defensive line. What have they done to keep it going? Daniil Hunter, all the way across the board, all they're doing is bringing in veterans and continually bringing back guys 
that used to be on the team because we're obsessed with just bringing back our old guys. We want our guys. We need our guys here. They drafted Patrick Jones. Have you heard one word about Patrick Jones? I haven't. Their their defensive line is Sheldon Richardson, who is a guy that they didn't draft, Dalvin Tomlinson, who is a guy they didn't draft, and Michael Pierce, who is a guy they didn't draft. They went out and paid for a bunch of other teams' guys. So short-term rentals, what do you have after that? Nothing. Who are your linebackers after Kendricks and Barr leave? Got really got nobody. Who are your corners? Well, we had a bunch of early-round guys. We got rid of all of them. And then we drafted two other guys. One of them is currently in prison. So we still got Dantzler, who's going to be in the, in the uh, slot position. But then we went out and paid for Bashad Breeland, who was a guy that we didn't pay. And Patrick Peterson, who was a guy that we didn't draft. Draft is what I meant, not pay. We got Xavier Woods from Dallas. I mean, th- this, is, this is not good. When you're to the point where you've just essentially acknowledged that we have no ability to draft, so we're just going to pay because we got a bunch of money because we have nobody to pay on our own team. So we're just going to go out and spend for other guys that other teams have cast off. I don't know. I'm reading a lot into a Harrison Smith thing, but as soon as I saw it, it was like, this is what you've accomplished. This is, this, these are your accomplishments. Congratulations. Um, in other Vikings news, Irv Smith. Um, it was actually kind of interesting. I was kind of confused because I had seen Irv Smith might not play, and then I looked at an um, athletic article, and it was raving about how good he's going to be and this increased role he's going to have and how great and all this stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. I, I don't understand. Apparently, this is a relatively new thing that came about. So after the game, the writer for the Vikings for the Athletic talked about how great Irv Smith has been and uh, what an increased role he's going to have and how critical of a role he's going to have. And apparently, Irv Smith suffered an injury in the game. Timetable still uncertain, this says. Continuing reading, Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. suffered a meniscus injury in Minnesota's final preseason game and is set to undergo surgery to repair the injury. Timetables point toward anywhere between four weeks or up to six to eight months in recovery time. Speaking to reporters, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer gave a brief overview that gave some hope, stating that he never heard six to eight months in terms of Smith's recovery time. Zimmer also stated they'll continue to monitor the waiver wire potential trade options for tight end. Of course they are. As they await full diagnosis from Smith's surgery, Tyler Conklin is scheduled to return to practice this week for Minnesota as well. So more bad news. And another young guy that they're hoping, hey, come on, man, we need you. We need some of these draft picks to start panning out. Irv has not been bad, but he certainly hasn't been a, a real breakout dynamo. And so, again, all the hype, all the excitement, this is it. This is the guy. He's going to make it for us. It's going to be great. And he's injured. It's not his fault. It's not even the GM's fault. I'm just saying, things are not going well. Finally, for those curious, it does sound like the, the home opener for the Saints-Packers will be in New Orleans. That's not 100% for sure. But last I heard, there was very minimal damage, and it really just is a matter of whatever kind of things need to happen to get the state back online. Um, Obviously, it's a tough situation. And so the expectation is that they'll be able to play there. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. But the hopes and dreams from some people that we would go to a neutral field or possibly Green Bay's hiccuping um, seem to be unlikely. Any whoozle, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll come back. But uh, first and foremost, remember, Palmer Home for Children, if you wouldn't mind donating to that, that would be greatly helpful, not only to the Palmer Home, but to me as well. 
Thank you very much to Tom Zotter for jumping in. 25 extra dollars, bringing us to $2,028. Once again, if I can get into the top five, I get to go on a little trip to hang out with Mr. Malcolm Reed, and that would be kind of cool. That donation officially puts us less than $100 away from taking fifth place. So um, that would, again, be kind of cool. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can do so for as little as $1 per month. Um, Thank you very much to, uh, again, Thomas Zotter for jumping in on Patreon. Thank you for your contribution, good sir. For those patrons who are desperately hoping that I'll be buying Packers tickets and giving them away to one of my patrons, uh, update, we are officially 44 patrons away. So we need 44 more people to say, you know what, here's a buck, and we're good to go. So once we do that, at the conclusion of the New Orleans Saints game, I'll be buying somebody a Green Bay Packers ticket. If not, then I won't. But let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Anyways, with the lack of cuts, I uh, had a couple backup things, found a couple articles and whatnot, so we might as well go through some of those. Um, I found a few people who are trying to go through and predict um, what the Packers record will be when this thing concludes, and I found Connor Orr's article for Sports Illustrated, 
and um, it's kind of ridiculous, but I'll take it. They have the Packers going 12 and five, the Bears and Vikings seven and ten, and the Lions four and thirteen. Um, again, I'll, I'll accept that answer if we don't dive into any more details. I do think the Vikings and the Bears are not going to tie this. Again, there's this weird thing, and and maybe I'm going to sound stupid, but there's this weird thing where some people really want to overinflate the Chicago Bears. And 7-10, and 10, I guess, isn't overinflated, but the fact that the Bears and the Vikings are on the same plane, I just don't understand it. There's almost like this desperation in the media to make the Bears seem special. And it could be Justin Fields, but again, why, why not the Jaguars then? Why? And you could say, well, he didn't have a great preseason. They've never hyped up the Jaguars. Never once have we heard about how great they're going to be because of Justin Fields because of Trevor Lawrence. Same thing with San Francisco and Trey Lance. Same thing with, you know, Mac Jones, who, if you want to talk about the preseason, was the highest graded quarterback of all rookies by a mile. Nobody cares. Nobody's talking about how great the Patriots are going to be. The Patriots are coming back. The next dynasty, none of that. Zach Wilson was the second highest graded, probably the best statistics, one of the greatest performances this entire preseason. Nobody's talking about the Jets. But for some reason, We have to hype up the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, and I just don't really understand it. But anyways, um, the Packers they have going 12-5, and and it's not so much the 12-5 and I take issue with. It's how it all comes to be. So for example, Connor has us winning the first five games. Sweet! Beating New Orleans, Detroit, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. But our first loss comes to the Bears. (laughs) Okay, Um, we end up winning eight of our first nine, again, the first loss being to Chicago, meaning we beat, um, again, New Orleans, we beat San Francisco, we beat Pittsburgh, we beat Arizona, we beat Kansas City, but we couldn't quite pull it off against the Bears. Then we lose to Seattle, who is, you know, not a super great team anymore. Then we lose to Minnesota, who, um, I mean, if we're going to lose to somebody in the division, probably Minnesota, but you have them going 7-10, and 10, so even they're not very good. Then beating the Rams which, okay, and then <laughs> then we get a bye, and we beat Chicago, so we split with Chicago, which is funny, but whatever. Then we lose to Baltimore, which, fine, at least that one kind of makes sense. It's the only one so far that we've lost that it's like, yeah, I could see that. Then we beat Cleveland, then we beat Minnesota, so we split with Minnesota, and then we lose to Detroit. To Detroit! I really think Connor was just like, oh, we're just going to have all the guys in the division split. Everybody splits with every other team in the division. That has to be what they're doing, what he's doing, because this doesn't make any sense. And I understand when you're going through 200 and some odd games, it gets to be kind of difficult to keep track of everything. But what the heck? Five losses in this entire schedule, five losses. The the, the most difficult games we're going to face, maybe New Orleans, uh, San Francisco, probably, Pittsburgh maybe because of the defense, um, Kansas City, Seattle, possibly, Minnesota-ish, L.A. for sure, Baltimore, maybe Cleveland, and Minnesota again. But no, we lose to Chicago and Detroit. (laughs) Detroit, by the way, again, he has going 4-13. and Only wins coming against Minnesota, obviously, Philadelphia, Arizona, and Green Bay. So the Bears wipe out the Lions, 2-0. Two and, two and oh. I don't know, man. I just I don't really understand it. I mean, it's it's an interesting endeavor, but if you're not even going to try to do a decent job, then what? why bother? 
I mean, it, I guess it's going to get a lot of clicks. That's for sure. Um, but you just did a bad job. So I don't care for that. But in that same vein, PFF also has their win totals up. Um, they currently have, let's see. So the way that they had this was set up by month. So March, May, July, and August are when they've posted what the over-under is for uh, wins. And so in that time period, the Packers were at 10.5, 10.5, and then got dropped to 10 and 10. Again, it's one of those things where I feel like Vegas or whoever really hasn't caught up to what's going on in the world. Um, if you notice, March... May, July, there was a big question mark as to whether or not Aaron Rodgers is back. He's back now, and we're sitting at 10, 10 wins for the season. Uh, the Vikings at 9, the Bears at 7.5, and, and Detroit at 4.5. So again, I, I think the, the we went over the betting yesterday about the Saints. I think that's silly. I think the Packers should be a bigger favorite. Not We're not talking about impossibilities. We're just talking about reasonable expectations. And for the Packers to still be sitting at 10 is silly to me. The Bills, who got just as far, are sitting at 11. Baltimore, who didn't get as far, is sitting at 11. Kansas City, 12 and a half. Tampa, 12. Everybody, even the Rams, who we beat, are sitting at 10 and a half, ahead of us. The 49ers, 10 and a half. The 49ers are ahead of us with Garoppolo? The Browns are 10 and a half. I mean, we're, we're the Browns, apparently. This was August 25th was the last update. This is five days ago. So, uh, listen, the only, it's not, I guess it's not worth getting upset about. Just get your bets in because this is silly that nobody is updating any of these bets. Um, I did look at some of the other Vegas sites thinking maybe PFF was just behind a little bit. And, um, nope, they're still sitting at about 10 and a half across the board. I don't, I don't understand the rationale. I do think what I need to do is bring somebody on that's sort of one of these betting fellas. I'm sure they're easy to find because they're all trying to sell their services. Um, but, you know, I, I need answers because I don't get it. Even if it's just an email or a text message, I got to get some answers. So anyways, I'm going to end it there. It's a little bit uh, short, and so I had a couple other things I wanted to get to, but I'm going to get out of here. Um, I do have some more notes, but it's just kind of random other articles that I found. And um, I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.